Playing hockey my whole life, I never f***ing signed no one's dick, man. We're hockey fans, and uh, you've got some team, and you've got some goalie, I can tell you. Lori, nice pass up the middle. Celia, left side over the Bulldog line. Celia, nice pass off. Cauley scores! Parker Cauley, and it's 2-1. to one. What a shot. What a great move by David Celia. Don't trip, don't slip, just dip and die. You can catch me on the 405. You want one here for the Clippers. If they hurry in front and a redirection out of midair by Tristan Crozier. And the Clippers have won it in overtime. Sinhold with a shot. Scores! Deflected off the trapper and in. And Sinhold makes it 5 nothing. Roll up a leaf. Oh, I'm gonna miss this banger, Dylan. Oh man, it's it's sad. It's gonna be one of the last times we ever hear that intro song because I've taken it off my Spotify because I listen to it so much. <laughs> it's a just a, a banger of a song and uh shout out blue if y'all if y'all don't know who blue is and you don't listen to hip-hop because hip-hop sucks these days frankly dylan and we've you know talked about that we're, we're coming in hot but we were, yeah, we were talking about that. about that one yeah we've been talking about that you know in little, trail little and, and not in trail and no yeah, we'll get into it on the summer podcast the call crawl. as well but yeah hip-hop ain't the same blue he was unbelievable coming in in the early 2000s with, uh, who's his producer again? Exile. Exile. Blue and Exile, baby. But hey, this Blue song, I think that came out just a few years ago. It's a fairly right recent song. Right when we started Sticking Ring Podcast. Oh, so two years ago, yeah. Of course. Remember we were bumping it at that Halloween. It was the sign. That Halloween party I had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That got messy real quick. Oh, it did. You went full Leahy. L- you little you embraced the role. <laughs> Lim Jehi. Uh, folks, you're listening to Stick and Rink Radio here on CHLY 1017 FM from Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Beautiful Vancouver Island. And online at CHLY.ca. Reminder, if you missed any part of the show, you can download the podcast, Stick and Rink Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from after the show. Uh, we're coming in a little early today. We actually beat the clock for once. Um, and folks, you got a special times to RB Painted Turtle Guest House promo. So there you go. I'm all about that Painted Turtle. Painted Turtle. Painted Turtle Guest House. Uh, thank you to those tuning in on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast app you use. Folks, the best thing you can do for us this week and for Ride the Pod, Elijah and Josh moving forward, the new host of Stick and Rink Podcast, and uh, besides donating a little bit on Patreon, is leave us five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for some of that good karma, five stars and a kind review, folks. It helps us reach more listeners and it's going to help the hockey podcast network reach new listeners because that's where you can find not only stick and rink but all other national hockey league podcasts come october and uh, this portion of the show dylan is brought to you by our friends at spreza box use promo code stick and rink for 10 percent off your monthly subscription subscription that's going to go on uh, <laughs> throughout the time that uh that elijah and josh are hosting stick and rink I'm a little shook up right now. (laughs) (laughs) And you best believe that I've used that 10% off. Oh, those boxes. Oh, they... What'd you get in your last one? Got, uh, you know, just just an amazing tie. A couple I got a bow tie. Got a bow tie. Green Um, and black striped. It's pretty sweet, actually. I got some Schwang dangling shoelaces. What? What color were they? They were... I think they might have even been glow in the dark or something. I don't know. There's a little green in there, a little black. I don't know. A little fluorescent color. special, yeah. No, in all seriousness, folks, they... Unbelievable stuff. Spreza Box gives away everything uh, everything a fine young lad will need. From watches, cufflinks, flasks, to cigar cutters, shoes, belts, you name it. It, spe- it, uh, it specializes in what you prefer. There's like a, a survey where you can give your preference and, you know, uh, just a survey where they kind of get an idea of who you are and curate your custom box to you. Again, stick in rink for 10% off your monthly subscription. Dylan, I don't have really an intro song for this because uh, we're going three hours here on CHLY 1017. Unheard of. We did that uh, the last time we made an appearance. So I guess not unheard of. Summer. Well, a little bit unheard of. It was a lot of work. Um, So this isn't a regular segment by any means. I don't have an intro for this in the archives, but we're going to dive in to our poll question. Our CHLY Stick and Rink Radio weekly poll question, and uh, let's get into it. All right, folks, you can find the poll question on Twitter at stick in rink pod the question is what is the main issue that may cause another national hockey league lockout i know folks 
lockout. You don't want to hear that. It's like a swear word around here, but you know what? There's always the potential, and you know, things are looking a little shaky going ahead. So here are the options. What What is the main issue that may cause another NHL lockout, cap restructure, uh, recapture, escrow, bonus filled slash front-loaded contracts, or the Olympics, which has been a hot-button issue over the last few years? Again, you can find the poll question on Twitter at Stick in rink pod. Not a huge participation uh, right now. Jersey Joe's up in there. It is the long. I know he is. Oh yeah, it's it is the long weekend here on British Columbia. I don't even know how many people are listening live in Nanaimo, but you best believe people have been downloading the radio shows uh, once we post it via podcast. So really excited for that, and that's why we decided to keep this poll question going for the next few days. It's nice to see producer T's actually being active on Twitter. Really reposting that tweet, reposting no, thanks, the producer poll, T. putting on his comments, and you know he's been a great guy. He's really contributing here. Except he didn't come to the finale. Yeah, push that aside. Sweep that one under the rug. All right, uh, let's get into this, Dylan. What are your thoughts on uh, on the National Hockey League potentially having another lockout? I mean, other than you know, <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please no both. Please both. Um, you know, I I hate to look at the Olympics as something that. They'll cause issues moving forward because it's already caused issues in the NHL by not participating in the Olympics. But man, that would that would just be bad for the sport in general. Yeah. If if the Olympics were the cause of the NHL lockout, man, that <sighs> that would just look so bad on the game. Not just the NHL, just the game of ice hockey in, yeah, it in would. general. It would just it would just put a stain on the game. So I really hope that uh, it, it's not the Olympic. Uh, participation. Well, hasn't it already been stained a little bit, bef- like because of last, the last Olympics? I mean, it was it was best on best, sure, in for international but, players not in the NHL, but that's not best on best. I'm sorry. No, like this is like a stain in the corner where you can kind of hide it. But if you know, if there's a lockout because of this, this is like a big smear stain I guess, yeah, all it's, over it's, the front. You got to throw everywhere. that sheet out. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's everywhere in that case um so that is that that is a an option but i don't think it carries as much weight as you know cap recapture right now coming from uh the the owner's side and of course bonus filled front-loaded contracts that's going to want to be eliminated by um the well gary bettman and front office escrow yes is a problem for the players but i think at the end of the day they're gonna have to live with with that and i don't think it's like olympic participation is as critical as cap recapture and bonus filled slash front loaded contracts at the moment. Yeah, and you know, with bonus filled contracts, it really gives an unfair competitive edge to teams that just have cash lying around. Teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, they can just front load contracts with bonuses, pay out their guys ridiculous amounts in the first two, three years. Like Austin Matthews, for example, this five year. Yeah, exactly. You know, give them ten, twenty million dollars in their first couple of years, but you know, you look at a team like Arizona, they don't have the opportunity to do that. They don't have the means, no. They don't have the means. I know therefore, they have new ownership, but they still don't have the means. <laughs> therefore, their on-ice product is, isn't as effective because they don't have that cash line around that the other teams do. I understand, you know, teams with a lot of money are going to have advantages, but that is just a clear advantage to getting good players coming to your city. And, you know, if you continue that, how are you going to build up these teams that are, you know, lower in the rankings? They're not going to sell more season tickets because they're, you know, they're they're not bringing these high end players because these guys are signing their bonuses in high uh, high revenue teams. And to jump, you know, to piggyback off that, you know, t- teams who aren't who don't make a ton of money, you know, the Arizonas of the world, though they have, you know, and maybe they're a bad example because they have a very analytic base and and younger, more modern front office. But a team like the Vancouver Canucks, who let's be honest, has a has a very thin front office. They're not necessarily the Aquilinis, the owners of the Vancouver Canucks. They're not necessarily paying a ton of front office people to be able to even bend, you know, to be in a position to, to and have the time to even work the cap this way. I mean, I'm sure Lawrence Gilman for the Toronto Maple Leafs and um, and the current GM were were both in on this and they probably had some extra resources because like you said teams like them teams like new york like do you think it's a coincidence that new york was the one national hockey league team who could rebuild snap finger on the fly and hey what's the one that's right behind them right now a team that's been generating a ton of money in the last 10 years the chicago blackhawks they've been a crap team for two three years sure 
a little bit longer than the New York Rangers, but come on, folks, follow the money, as Dave Pratt from TSN, or formerly on TSN 1040 says. Yeah, and, and the Blackhawks. I mean, yeah, they've had maybe two, maybe three years that haven't been that great, but they haven't been so bad that people stop coming to the arena. Like, like it has happened in Vancouver. Yeah, and as soon as they start winning again, holy crap. Oh, jeez. It's going to be a madhouse on Madison. <sighs> I think I, I voted for uh, the, the bonus field contracts because... It's it's an issue right now because they're they're taking advantage of you know of a clause that Gary Bettman probably didn't want or didn't see foresee clearly um, managers and ownerships of NHL teams taking advantage of sure cap recapture is an issue but let's be honest I know Gary works for the the owners but whose voice at the end is louder I think it's Bettman because he's he. Ha- He's still making the league money. No, because he represents the cash flow of the league. Absolutely. So of course, he, he has the So I know state. he's trying to make the owners happy, but doesn't he want to make them rich? And I think he believes that going down this path that they're, that they're currently going down, plugging up some of these you know loopholes, I think he's going he's gonna to argue that that's going to ultimately make the league more money. The one thing, especially from a Vancouver perspective, that I hate is that... Like, Vancouver Canucks are paying $3 million for the next three years to Roberto Luongo because Mike Gillis, when he was GM of the Vancouver Canucks, performed an action contract-wise that was 100% legal at the time. Was it a loophole? Were they taking advantage of the CBA? Was it not in the spirit of the National Hockey League CBA? Obviously not. He's doing what, like, Toronto's doing right now in that trade with the Vegas Golden Knights to acquire Clarkson. They're bending the rules to benefit their team. What, you know, I commend 100%. And, you know, and Gillis did that with his time in the Vancouver Canucks, specifically with that Luongo deal. A lower cap hit, a way longer deal. I mean, hell, the Minnesota Wild. Man, if Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, they retire, you know, in you know before their six-year, six-year remaining deal is over, man, the Minnesota, they get screwed. Yeah, they get it, absolutely screwed. For something that, like you said before, was when, legal. When they did it, was completely legal. Was it dumb? Sure. So, Some yeah, can argue, but it was legal. It's yeah, it's so tough. I mean, for the lead to go back, you know, retroactively and go back and punish people for for performing contracts for signing contracts that were legal at the time. I, it's I don't know. I don't know what that says about the league structure and you know how uh, you know how much stock they put in their own rules. But yeah, it doesn't look good. Well, if they if they don't, I guess come down hard on those who are taking advantage of long-term injured reserve upon discussing the new CBA, whether there's a lockout or not, do you think that they're going to have to punish those those franchises as well? Because then those who are getting punished with the cap recapture penalty, they're going to argue, hey, we got in trouble for something that was legal at the time and then was fixed. Why aren't these teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, like the Chicago Blackhawks with Marion Hossa, like um, the Arizona Coyotes with name player here, and now the Ottawa Senators with Ryan Callahan. Yeah, you know it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. I'm just I I pray that we don't have another lockout. I, I can't live through that issue. Well, I, I can't do it. Honestly, Dylan, it's a possibility because these are some these are uh, these these are some important issues. But what I think trumps all, what I think is the Trump card, and ironically, it's from the United States, but it's Seattle, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. There's no way. Gary Bettman's going to allow an expansion team that cost more than the Vegas Golden Knights to come in right right when there's a lockout. Yeah, it's it's, not gonna, it's no. just not going to happen. No. One thing I do fear is, oh, use maybe the key arena needs another year of construction because two years as a massive renovation. I mean, I know it's the United States and, and I know Canada, you know, we're used to... We're used to bridges taking five years just to be built. Shout out Victoria. What the hell is going on? Um, but in the United States, you expect renovations to be a little bit quicker. But is that a possible excuse? I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be a tough one. But I agree with your point, though, in, in general, that it would just look bad for the league to have an expansion team come in and have a lockout happen within a year or two from that. This doesn't look good. And I, I think they're going to try and avoid that at all costs. All right. Should uh, Well, again, folks, we've talked about it. We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, comment, vote, retweet at Stick and Rink Pod, R C H L Y, Stick and Rink Radio weekly poll question. Again, the question was what is the main issue that may cause another National Hockey League lockout? Cap recapture, escrow, bonus filled front loaded contracts, or Olympics participation? Uh, bonus filled front loaded contracts 
Though I had a lot to say on cap recapture, has my vote. What what ultimately has your vote? Done? I think I'm going to go for the uh, bonus filled front loaded contracts. I think that's going to be a big issue moving forward. You heard it here, folks. We want to hear your voice. Okay, let's get into some more uh, National Hockey League news and I guess just world hockey news in general. Dylan, I'll let you present this one as a, I really hope I have a certain clip to accompany it, but we haven't been here in the studio for a while, so I'm going to quickly check. Right, I, I was actually just going to try and act out the clip that you're pulling up, but uh, we'll, we'll wait for that one to come up. Jesse Pugliarvi, it looks like he's going to stay in Finland until the Edmonton Oilers trade him. That's right, folks. He's not he's not setting foot in North America while he's still property of the Edmonton Oilers. He's done with that organization. He wants a fresh start. The Edmonton Oilers, Kenny Holland, he has he has some work ahead of him. He's going to have to move Jesse Pugliarvi. We've heard rumors that you know the price tag of Jesse Pugliarvi can be as low as a third-round draft pick, uh, a third-line winger. It, it are the rumors uh, surrounding the value that they want for Jesse Pugliarvi, which I think is unfortunate. You know, a guy who is such a high draft pick, highly touted guy, and a guy who, in my opinion, still has a lot of skills and a lot of useful tools. I mean, this guy, he has potential to be a power forward in this league. He, he's still so young. That's the thing. Um, and yeah, maybe his hockey sense isn't up to date, but or, or isn't at the level where we thought it would be. Maybe we projected his, oh, I did anyways, and I know scouts have projected his ceiling to be higher than it may turn out to be, but he never had a chance to develop. He was he was the final player who was pushed into the Edmonton system and not given any time to develop. Because hell, even Leon Dreisaitl went back to junior for one more year and played, you know, world junior, etc. And, you know, if the price is as low as the third-round traffic, it just makes me wonder why teams aren't jumping all over this. Because at the end of the day, what are the chances that your third-round traffic, you're going to draft a player that makes your team? Even if it's just as a fringe player, what are the chances that they make the team as an NHLer? If you look at Jesse Pugliarvi, he's going to make your team as an NHLer. Maybe he's not yeah. a second-line guy like you wanted him to be, but he's going to be effective in his own right. And I think in the right situation... He might be an effective player. He might be a 20-goal guy. You know, he has the talent to do it. He was drafted fourth overall. Many people thought he'd go third overall in that draft. So he's, I, may, I may have even said that. I, I, I think a lot of, I think most of the hockey world was in that group. Well, because Line looked like the player, and hey, he's kind of turning out to be, at this stage anyways, just, just a, a single-type player, just a goal scorer, just a north-south guy. We argued that I think he has the potential to be more Ovechkin-like than a lot of people think right now. But back to Pugliarvi, yeah, I thought he kind of had more of a an established two-way game. I don't think it, it was it was there at the end of the day, especially at the National Hockey League level. However, at, at the AHL level, as a young guy, again, still new to North America, folks, he put up points. Yeah, he, he did put up points in the AHL, uh, which is always promising. I mean, the first year he put up 28 points in 39 games. Uh, for the Bakersfield Condors. Um, and, you know, in, in other stints he's had when he's been sent down, he's put up pretty good points uh, in the AHL. But, yeah, that's that offensive production, that consistency in the NHL that's been lacking. But, you know what? He's been playing for an inconsistent team over the last three years. So let's see what this guy can do uh, with a different organization. All right. I can't find the clip right on YouTube right now. Freaking Jesse Pugliarvi, bud. But we'll find it because I know it's, it must be in the archives. Here. There's no way that we missed it. So we will find it. We will find it and play it later on in the show. Let's move on to uh, to some more news. And man, this is a big piece of news. And talk about Cha-Ching Wasted. Yeah, the Rangers have bought out Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, you know, Kevin... Kevin Shattenkirk, he hasn't really had a great time uh, with the New York Rangers last year. He put up 28 points in 73 games. Uh, you know, the, the year before, when they actually acquired him partway through the season, he put up 23 points in 46 games as a defenseman. Not terrible numbers. No, but apparently he was such a liability. Now, and that wasn't his strength coming in. I mean, even in St. Louis, I'm sure, I mean, he played with uh, Petriangelo most of the time. So obviously he didn't have to worry about playing that defensive game and he would just you know, put up the points. Put up the points because that's what he did. Um, I, I think just in his last year with St. Louis, though, hey, the, the production was there. That's when uh, that's when there were signs that he may be falling off qu quicker than uh, a lot of people thought. Because what is he, 30, 31? And upon being moved to Washington, he he didn't live up to expectation, didn't help the Capitals 
that year in their run at all. I'm, I'm sure, I think it was even a first round exit or a second round exit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and you know, back to your first point, I think for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, he was able to succeed uh, because he played on a team with this uh, a sound defensive structure yeah. that he could rely on. You know, his his partner to be there, or even the forwards to uh, you know pick up the slack. Um, as far as the defense goes, if, if he was the guy jumping up in the play all the time, which which he was. I mean, he put up 14 goals in 2015-2016, uh, 44 points in 72 games with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, but that obviously hasn't worked out with the New York Rangers. They don't have the same kind of structure on the back end. They don't have the same kind of talent Well, they're the young, end. and they're young, too. Exactly. So it just makes it even tougher for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk to be useful. Uh, interesting that they couldn't find any trade partners or move them out in any different fashion. Dylan, he had a modified no trade and no move clause. There you have there it. There you go. And that, that six, seals the deal. And at $6.65 million for another two years, who was going to take that on? No, that's, there was that no one. a great point. There was no one going to take it on. The Rangers, they have money to spend. And I think you know it's only going to be extended another four years that they're going to have to pay him, uh, well, pay him out, essentially. And... I believe only in the last year is it really, you know, quote unquote, not worth it. Kind of like we see here in the Vancouver Canucks market with Louis Erickson. Again, front loaded deal. He's been paid off quite a bit already that buying him out, you're not going to save any money and the extra cap on your team. I know $6 million right now in the Canucks case isn't great, but it's like, it doesn't really help down the road. That's kind of the same thing with Kevin Shattenkirk. Although in the next two years, it's not worth having that hefty 6.65. So it actually helps them right now as they're, they're young, and they're going to be competitive in the East, but if they if they don't make noise in the playoffs, um, I don't think it really matters as they're still they're, they know that they're still in it for I don't want to say long haul, but for at least the next two seasons before they're elite. And man, they're one of those teams like the New Jersey Devils. I mean, how are you, New York area? Wow. Yeah, no, you're right. They've had a super quick turnaround this upcoming season. I mean, it's kind of a wild card. I don't know how well the Rangers are going to do. In the next two, three years, they got some really good, young, promising pieces uh, for that organization, as well as guys who are just entering their prime right now. It can be super useful, like Panarin, Zbigniewicz, etc. Um, we have some big news, and uh, oh, I think even even Gary might join us to intro this. I think you're going to want to hear this. All right, thanks, um, Gary. In regards to in regards to the Saddle Dome in Calgary. It is going to be no more, ladies and gentlemen, that big saddle of a building that can't even host big concerts because literally speakers for concerts cannot hang from the ceiling. Why? Because it's shaped as a saddle. And I mean, I almost got suspended there. I was getting so fired up, Dylan. <laughs> I heard that. I guess that's, it's the finale. I guess it's the Stick Ring Radio Show finale. So yeah, what are they going to do? Suspend us? What are they going to do? Uh, maybe just kick me off right here as we do have a staff uh, in-house. Oh. No, we're still here, folks. He's not looking uh, at me. So, yeah, the Calgary Flames, it looks like they have a new arena. and It took long enough. Took they didn't long, move to Quebec. They didn't move to <laughs> Quebec or wherever they, they thought. They're Houston, uh, was the rumors before. Um, they get a new arena. In, in that deal is, uh, you know, the destruction, the uh, demolition of the Saddle Dome, like Isha just said, and all the tube TVs within the Saddle Dome. And the brick floors. It's going to be a sad day. But yeah, they, they needed a new arena. And as far as the city goes, like you just said, oh, the lack of having that venue for major concerts is a huge downfall for a you know for an urban modern city like Calgary. I mean, you, you need that. And the nicest city in Alberta, 100%. 100%. It, it, and arguably in Western Canada, because I, I enjoy every second of my time in Calgary. And when I step foot in Vancouver, I just want to get the hell out. I just want to swim over that straight home <laughs> in a bathtub or with my arms, whatever. There you go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be huge for uh, you know the Cal Calgary as far as the city goes. You know, getting events outside of the hockey team and as well, you know, the Calgary Flames having a great new arena to play in. So if I'm not mistaken, um, the city is gonna have to buck up. Um, I do believe they they're gonna split the cost with uh, with, with the Calgary Flames. Is this an eight twenty split? <laughs> I think it's more of a fifty fifty or closer oh, okay. to that. However off ticket sales and maybe merchandise but I'm not 100% I'm pretty sure it's just ticket sales um the public the the, the city of Calgary um they're going to get a percentage of their uh their, their tax contribution back so that in a projected 10 years or so um or you know j maybe just a little bit more that the city is at least going to get most of their money that they bucked up for um as an investment into this arena back so that that's kind of that that was the pressing point on this negotiations was that 
uh, Mayor Necci and, and the and the city of Calgary didn't want to buck up a, a ton of money um, because they felt it wasn't you know necessarily their responsibility because Calgary hasn't done the best job in maintaining the saddle dome because let's be honest it's a great barn because it has character i'm not gonna lie i really enjoyed all the hockey games that i attended at the saddle dome hell it was the first nhl game i ever went to was at the saddle dome um but then you go to rogers arena which is an arena that's three years newer if i'm not mistaken and it looks like a state-of-the-art modern arena so in that sense there's not there's, there's no excuse and the city has every right to be like you didn't you did nothing to you know bring us back to the arena there were no shows um, there, you know, or I mean, I saw Iron Maiden there, and that's a whole other story, ladies and gentlemen. How are I mean, you? that's a summer episode right there, Call oh. Crawl. How are you? But um, yeah, there was there one. wasn't a lot of big shows. There wasn't there wasn't anything crazy like we see at Rogers Arena. Anything that you know, no UFC events really, or, or, or huge boxing events, or any other significant sporting events outside you know those owned by the Calgary Flames. So I think the city had every right to uh to to, to not want to pay full price or a, a super big amount for this stadium. Well, and hey, look at the difference an arena can make in a downtown core. Look at the changes that can potentially come to Calgary. Look at the changes that didn't happen to downtown Nanaimo. You, let's get into it. Dude, it's, it's the last It's the last one. It's the last one and you guys, you know, you told me that you should, you know, stop getting so fired up about this, especially in season 1, but we were talking about this last night to be perfectly honest. So I I think we should, you know, just bring even concisely our thoughts forward on this. Yeah, so, you know, just in a, in a broad view, we are looking at this whole uh, arena situation. Uh, of, of course, folks, you know, the, uh, what is it called? Referendum for uh, getting the new arena built in downtown Nanaimo a couple, two years ago, a year, three years year ago, and a yeah. half ago was uh, not passed. The citizens of Nanaimo voted against building a new arena downtown, <coughs> which, which would have held a WHL franchise. Uh, which will be a step up from the BCHL franchise that Nanaimo currently has. It would have been a great venue for for concerts. Well, it was said to be the Kootenai Ice who now moved to Winnipeg. Exactly. That was going to be the team. And hello, Peyton Krebs may be playing in Nanaimo. Man, that would have been something else. But uh, so the city decided against that. You know, the you know taxes were were one of the main concerns, which is which is understandable. You know, I, I definitely get where people are coming from in that regards. But at the same time. You got to put something into your city at some point, in my opinion. And not just hockey events, right? Exactly. Just got, like the Saddle Dome. You need something to build around. And for people who complain bitterly about downtown Nanaimo and how it's, you know, they tried to revitalize downtown a few years ago and they did a, a somewhat good job. And now you can argue it's it hasn't been too great. There's or last been few some years. issues, to say the least. And, you know, what is there really to rally around? There's nothing. There's just, there really is nothing. At least there would have been something with that arena project. And, you know, for all the people complaining about it who don't want to spend your tax money on it, you know, all that aside, you can't disagree with the fact that that arena would have been something that people gathered around. You know, people would go to WHL games and other events, bring thousands of people to that event downtown. When else can you get thousands of people on a regular basis to go to downtown Nanaimo? It does not happen. This is is an opportunity that we had and, and we missed it. Well, we saw thousands of people downtown in Nanaimo for a different reason. Yeah, <laughs> let's not get into that one. Um, again, folks, we see this also for on stick a, and rink, right? on, of course, on a on a, a lower scale in Ottawa. You know, you think that you think that it's a coincidence that a national hockey league team in the capital of Canada can't fill their arena in the playoffs, nor can they have or host huge events because they're not in the downtown core. And I'm say I'm not saying you know it's it's branching off our original kind of point here that it helps even perhaps clean up or emphasize a downtown core having an arena there. I mean, you think of if it wasn't for hey hell it being the capital of our country, the the parliament buildings and and some of the infrastructure. Downtown Ottawa is nothing special. No, and it's you know if there's an arena downtown, now we're talking exactly because. You know, uh, sporting events and arenas and concerts they bring they they bring a certain demographic, but they also bring people that are from outside the city into the downtown core to spend money in that downtown core. Yeah, we don't want to ask people the in the downtown core to leave. Exactly, the goal is to bring money into a downtown core so you can build, so you can have infrastructure, so you won't have the problems like the problems that we're seeing right now. Um, so I don't know. It's in my opinion, it is a shame at the end of the day when you see what's 
currently in, in that area going on and what could have been in that area had the project gone forward. Yeah, definitely on a, on a local topic, and, and you 100%. Know what, folks, if you disagree with us, let us have it. Let us have it. Call us at 250-740-1017 or toll free at 1-855-740-1017. We have a ton of prizes to give away, folks. Okay, uh, let's move on here. So it's going to work out. Yeah, it's going to work out. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, folks. You know what's going to work out? Uh, I should preface this and say, you know what's, uh, what's not working out? General managers in Minnesota. No, they are not. The, the Minnesota Wild have fired GM Paul Fenton. It's a wildfire, folks. They have fired Paul Fenton and... Uh, Going from the flames to the wild. Good the segue, don't. <laughs> they, have, they have not replaced Paul Fenton, although the assistant GM apparently has been quite busy. Well, busy to a certain extent here. It's funny that the assistant GM, and I don't have his name up in front of me, does work with the front office in a limited role, but... Junior Fenton. He's trying to make trades, and he actually... Uh, he, was, he looked to acquire Michael Froelich from Calgary um, because Michael Froelich actually wants out of Calgary, but apparently nixed a trade to Minnesota. So even the assistant GM can't, uh, can't appease owner Craig Leopold right now, the, the former owner of the Nashville Predators. How's um, that for a jab to Minnesota, though? The guy wants out really bad, asks for a trade. They offer him a trade, and he looks, eh, Minnesota, no thanks. Actually, I'd rather stay. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's not looking... It's not looking too good. Not looking too rosy, folks. And, you know, even... It, it just wasn't a good year. Paul Fenton was not a fit in Minnesota. Now, Paul Fenton, we've heard, you know, for years, him being a candidate as the general manager for any National Hockey League team. He did a tremendous job alongside David Poyle in Nashville, putting great teams together. He was, you know, like Jim Benning of the Vancouver Canucks, head of scouting. Um, he had... got a couple things down on paper slide shows he uh he was very set in his ways and apparently pretty old school and not an easy guy to get along with very demanding even to his ownership now i understand owners have to take a step back but for him to be fired in one year over the phone upon uh doing well being part of an nhl entry draft conducting a draft for your team it's very odd. It's very odd. And uh, also making don't. signings in in July 1st free agents. Well, period. that too. That you know, Of course, that know, as well. Handing out a huge deal to uh, Zuccarello. I mean, uh, hello, if you're ownership and you didn't you know, believe in the decisions that this GM was going to make, why didn't you fire him before making these decisions that will affect your organization for half a decade to come? Why wouldn't you get rid of him before those decisions were made? Mike Russo from The Athletic uh, published a story right before this all went down, um, interviewing actually Zach Parise as well, where Zach Parise was quite candid talking about how like the atmosphere was just crap in the locker room and at the management level, and that even the players didn't have confidence in, in Paul Fenton, uh, to the point where their exit interviews had a somber atmosphere to to them and usually you know exit interviews you know yeah you go over the pros and cons but you sandwich that you know you give them some good news some bad news and then some good news you know and some compliments there you don't just you don't just crap on the players which hey i'm pretty sure that's kind of what uh paul fenton did and even bruce boudreau had some uh some smart ass comments in his uh exit uh press conference well you as can well. count on bruce to have some smart ass comments well and you know he's not the issue at all and it kind of sucks because he's no, a tremendous he's, coach yeah tremendous he, coach. he always has been and the players love him yeah um, but anyways, back to the Mike Russo article and interview with Zach Parise. I mean, Zach Parise even said that he was open to being moved out of Minnesota. Now that is that it's just it's it, that is a crazy topic because that's how bad it was that uh, that a player who let's be honest, this is a player who can nix any trade with his no move clause. He's committed to be with Minnesota, signing that you know whopping thirteen year contract years ago. Hometown guy. Hometown guy. I mean, his father was living in Minnesota, who uh, recently passed away, but he got to uh, you know play in front of his father and uh, you know his family was able to come to the games as a player who we thought would never want to leave Minnesota and where there was a poss there was no possibility of him ever being able to leave Minnesota because of his contract but now hell even under Paul Fenton and maybe even now after even without a GM I mean conversations are being had about this that's just crazy now sure that's gonna benefit the Minnesota Wild but the fact that that's even happening or that happened as a result of Paul Fenton's uh, regime is is quite surprising. And they have some huge decisions to make, in my opinion, the Minnesota Wild. You know, it, as far as, as an outsider looking in at the team, I think they need to go in some sort of a rebuild. I think that's kind of the obvious statement they to can't. make. But they can't. They're that's strapped the like problem. the Sedins and six years more. So, yeah, like, 
they have so much work to do and it's going to be a, to be a hell of a year covering the Minnesota Wild for the Hockey Podcast Network. I'll tell you that. At the Soda Pod. Give us a follow on Twitter. We got some giveaways coming up soon. You're going to hear us. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, I feel like an angry season. You no, know, I feel like year one of Stick and Rink. Wasn't was I angry, angry the whole time, though, during Stick and Rink? Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I'd say year one was a more angry season than year two. Year two, you know, halfway through, I think we kind of accepted all the losing. Yeah. We kind of, you know, we see flashes of Patterson going around. So there's there's some highlights. There, there's, there's some more positives in year two. Okay, but uh, Minnesota, just pure anger. It's going to be pure anger. Yeah. All right. Um... Well, let's 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 keep our spirits high. Let, let's stay happy here on uh, Stick and Rink Radio, the finale. And folks, we're having some fun. We have some guests in hour three coming. They're a little bit of a moving target, but they're gonna have fun with us as well. Josh, the new host of the Stick and Rink podcast, and producer T is gonna join us as well. But right now, let's move into some random hockey stories. Some I love me some random world hockey stories. Uh, Steve Ellis of the Hockey News posted a great article, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the National Bermuda Men's Hockey Team has a next level rink ladies and gentlemen it's on a beautiful cliff cliffside view of the ocean next to a gorgeous bay in bermuda i'll share a photo momentarily and the article at stick and rink pod um around 100 players take part in bermuda's inline and ball hockey leagues uh the national team is made up of players who can afford to take time off work and pay for travel but the talent level continues to grow every year I'm okay, pigeon level compared to what we see in the National Hockey League and here in Canada. But folks, the fact that this is even happening is unbelievable. The fact that, you know, I can quote Ryan Ellis and say that the talent level in Bermuda of all places is growing every year, even at a very small level. We're talking division, I don't know, five, six, maybe ten, who knows? Division eighteen. Division pigeon. Um the Pigeon Division. The folks. Pigeon Division. How's that for a That's band a name? That's a band name. That could be a good podcast Pigeon name Division. too. Um, but anyways, the fact that it's growing every year means the game is growing worldwide, and that's just amazing as a hockey fan, hockey supporter, and someone in hockey media. I'll tell you what. After looking at that picture, if I win the lottery, I know where I'm going to go play some ball hockey. It's going to be in Bermuda at that arena because man, just sitting right on the beach, you feel like you're essentially playing hockey on the beach. Um, it's, it's unreal. Like, Isha's going to post the picture, folks. Check it out at Stick and Repod. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes, let, as we move on here, Dylan, this, this is a real fun one. And lo- we'd love some fan participation, too, as well. If you're listening live on your FM dial, CHLY 101.7 FM, or on CHLY.ca, we'd love your participation on this show. In any capacity, questions, comments, and maybe uh, to chime in on some of our segments like this next one, we have prizes galore, gift cards, jerseys, T-shirts, ladies and gentlemen. So give us a call again, toll-free, 1-855-740-1017. I love this one, Dylan. The Carolina Hurricanes are asking fans to help name their new custom craft beer. I love it. I love the fan interaction. I mean, for a a team that gets as much flack as they do with uh, their outspoken and very unique owner, Tom Dundon, who, he's a... He's a cheap man, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't want to pay his coaching staff any money. Uh, you know, some of his, you know, some of his staff are actually or have left him this summer because you know they're not getting the raises that they deserve and they're getting paid higher, respectively, on other National Hockey League, league teams. But all that aside, their marketing department this year—I mean, kudos to them. Like we've given the the cap tips to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have to give the cap tip to the Carolina Hurricanes marketing department. They've been unbelievable this year. And even the, you know, the people who cover them, I think, have really stepped up as well. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, they started winning, and it's a good product, so it's it's un, it's understandable. But those, uh, you know, for example, who write for the Athletic covering the Carolina Hurricanes in particular, and I'm not a huge ath- local Vancouver Athletic fan, um, but I have to, yeah, I have to give a round of applause and again a, a t- hat kit, hat <laughs> tip to those <laughs> at the Athletic Minnesota. But we had a good, uh, they had a good suggestion from the folks at the Morning Skate podcast actually, uh, who suggested the name Jerk Juice for the new uh, craft beer from the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a good one. That's one of my favorites thus far. Um, Isha, what do you got? What's, what's yours? I like Spinner's Lager. Spinner's you know, Lager. The Hurricanes, one. they be spinning. All right. I, I'm a little bit spinning right now. Slurring my words. Real. Yeah, you know, I, I only saw this before the show, and Isha, Isha you can uh, confirm this. I had a pretty w- good one off the top of my head. The Hurricane Brain Lager. Ooh, I like it. Hurricane Brain, because Hurricane your brain. brain's going to be in a hurricane, I'll tell you that. Um, we want to hear your suggestions at Stickering Pod on Twitter, Facebook, or live here 
on air, 1-855-740-1017, CHLY on your FM dial. Keep it PG-13. CHLY.ca. Well, hell, Dylan, it's the last show. Anyways, what are we going to do? do? Get fired? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's the finale, ladies and gentlemen. Um, We have a few minutes before we bring on our second guest of the show, Ralph Slate, creator of Hockey Database. So let's uh, let's go back and uh, check out the poll question, Dylan. The poll question, which you can find on Twitter at StickInRinkPod. Is is sorry, folks. We're having some technical difficulties. The internet go go down again. Uh, the internet has gone down here at the studio, folks. Uh, my apologies. But reminder again, you can follow us on Twitter at Stick in Rink Pod. The internet has just come back. The poll question is: What is the main issue that may cause another National Hockey League lockout? The options are cap recapture escrow, front-loaded contracts, or Olympic participation. Uh, We've had some participation from uh, our listeners. From Jersey Joe at Jersey Devil OG. Uh, He says escrow um, citing, you know, William Nylander is one of the reasons. Uh, Jersey Joe, we love you. Yeah, well, he said front-loaded contracts are uh, not so much because I feel it's a mutual agreement between both sides uh, and both sides need to agree to the terms he has in quotations. Having players hold out, like Dylan mentioned, William Nylander last season is giving guys like Hall, Taylor Hall, that is, a slightly a slightly different situation to hold on to extensions. So Jersey Joe chimed in. We want to hear you folks chime in as well at Stick and Ring Pod. Dylan and I got, on, uh, got into this in the opening parts of the hour. I was more in the camp of front-loaded contracts. Dylan, you were more in the cap recapture? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we got into that. So, folks, if you missed any of that conversation, go back and download the podcast after the show. Hour two, stick in rink radio. Um, Dylan, let's uh, let's plug away the new project that we are that we're getting into. Come October, you know, we're hanging up the skates. Actually, well, we're we're passing on the facility to Elijah and Josh oh. of Ride the Pod, and um, we're. You know, stepping aside because we have uh, we've started something new. Yeah, folks, come October first, we're going to be heading a new project called the Hockey Podcast Network. The basic idea behind this project is we want a podcast, a unique podcast for every NHL team, and we want you to have consistent content from those podcasts. So, the Hockey Podcast Network will have thirty-one. Podcasts, unique podcasts on our network, one for every NHL team. And unique to the respected market as well. They're, they know the people. Every Monday and Thursday, there will be 30 to 45 minute episodes coming from each market. So if you look at the whole network, every week we're going to have around 60, over 60 episodes of hockey content coming out every week. Now, if you're only a fan of, let's say, the Vancouver Canucks, well, you can listen to the Stick and Ring podcast, which will be the Vancouver representative of the Hockey Podcast Network. And you can decide to only listen to Canucks content. But if you want to listen to more, if you want to dabble in some other teams, you have the option to go listen to 30 other NHL podcasts, all brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, all with great quality and great hosts. It's going to be an amazing project. We can't wait to get started. Oh, and it's been it's been a lot of work, and we're still working. We're still working every day. Which we had a little is, hiccup today, you know. Things happen. Things happen. Um, and that's kind of the reason why we haven't been we haven't been consistent here at the CHLY studios this summer. But we were we're really excited that we at least got to do three final summer shows. Dylan and I, as we we shift some things around as we move, you know, the Stick and Rink podcast to the Hockey Podcast Network. We will keep you updated on every step of that process ladies and gentlemen and while we do that we're going to continue to provide content um not a lot of content and obviously it's not going to be under the stick in rink brand anymore but as we uh as we do some testy poos on uh some of our well new tactics moving forward dylan and i are going to be talking sports um on just a few you know i I guess a short series podcast called the callwood crawl where you know we'll get fired up about a topic or you know something hockey or maybe even you know well, Beyond we hockey. We have a, an interview came to us out of the oh, blue. Oh, exactly. And interviews. And we're really excited former about this Former Nanaimo one. Clipper, former captain of the Nanaimo Clippers, Ken Fells back from 99-2000. And so, folks, if you're an old-timer listening on uh, Stick and Rink Radio CHLY and you were a Clippers fan for a while, you 
You remember Ken oh, Fells, folks. Slugging it out. In the break, I will post some videos on uh, oh, Stick Ring Pod because Ken Fells was one of the best fighters in uh, in junior hockey and also in well, what league? Every single... Uh, <laughs> Every professional hockey league in the southern United States. There folks. you go. There you go. The so, Sun Belt. So we're really excited about that. Um, again, folks, if you missed any part of the show... You can download the podcast wherever you get your podcast from at Stick and Ring Pod. Our one, two, and three, and our last two summer shows that were uh, well that we performed uh, in the last two months. And we actually have a live viewing. You can stand outside of the studio and just stare at us, watch us record the last episode of Stick and Rink Radio. There you go. And we will be we got on a big crowd already. Well, we will be on um, Facebook Live as well for hour three. And and anyways, back hour one, two, and three. They'll all those files and more, everything will be available after the show. Um, in the final hour, we will get into all things Canucks. Dylan, right now we're going to bring on Ralph Slate. Ralph Slate is the creator of Hockey Database. It was an absolute honor catching up with him on the Stick and Rink podcast, episode 100. And if you haven't caught up on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, go back. Part one and two of the finale of the podcast were unbelievable. It's a must-listen episode. As is the finale of Stick and Rink Radio live here on CHLY 1017. Keep it locked on the radio show, chly.ca. This is Vancouver Island's best hockey talk show, Stick and Rink Radio. All right, everybody. A principal data architect at ISO New England, former programmer slash analyst for Spalding Sports, a senior consultant for various data companies, oh, and the founder of the popular hockey stats website, HockeyDB. He conceived, implemented, and designed the site, still maintains it today. It is an absolute pleasure to introduce Ralph Slate. Welcome to the Sticker Ring Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, let's start at the beginning, Ralph. As a Massachusetts man, uh, your development must have been steeped in uh, Boston sports. Uh, what's your connection to hockey, and what, what was the inspiration behind Hockey Database? Well, I live in Springfield, which is a little bit to the west of Boston, and we've had an American Hockey League team here for years and years. And In fact, the, uh, the, the New England Whalers played here uh, a little bit in the 70s, and when I was a kid, I used to go to the games, um, and I just really got into hockey, and I went to college. I went to Rensselaer Polytechnic, which is uh, where Adam Oates played and Joey Juno played there and uh, Darren Pupa, a number of other players. And so that kind of kept my interest alive. And uh, I, I'm really a big history buff, and I like computers, and so it all just sort of came together. How did it all begin, and how has the, how has the website evolved since uh, it started in 1996? Well, boy, yeah, that was a long time ago. So back in 1996, you know, it was not updating in, in real time. That was, you know, like it was like the dark ages of the Internet in some ways. And uh, so I was just really typing in the data manually back then. Um, everything was kind of happening after the season ended. It's certainly grown in time over the years, uh, you know, because really my, my interest lies for, with the historical information. So I try to go and find old leagues and, and just kind of try to, pull in all kinds of old information, stuff that's buried in old newspapers or old books and that kind of thing. Um, you know, my inspiration for the site was really to try to locate where players were. So when I was in college, we would uh, talk in the dorm and we would wonder where the, the various alumni had gone to play. And uh, there was no good reference back then to, to find all this in one place. You'd have to sort of look through the hockey news or you'd buy a book after the season ended or you'd maybe hear a rumor from somebody. So I just started to compile this information into a database, and it got it got large really fast, and it was too big for a book. The internet was just about kind of kicking off right around then. This was the mid-90s, and it seemed like a really good fit, and it just really grew from there. Yeah, I, I think the only really good uh, or similar reference at the time was that book, like the Hockey Chronicles, that and Hockey Cards, right? Um, I, I read that you are the sole employee of HockeyDB. I mean, why is that? I, I know it does not demand a whole team as the simplicity slash user-friendliness of the website is what makes it so valuable, but surely a couple extra hands wouldn't hurt, no? It wouldn't hurt, but I guess that's just kind of my personality. I'm, I'm very exacting and you know, I, I would. I really don't want to sort of lose control of things. And, you know, I know that there are other sites out there which, when they've opened things up, you know, false information starts to get in there because not everybody is, is accurate or is, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they believe uh, when somebody sends them an email that says, hey, you know, I play for this and this and that team, they believe them right up the front, right up front. And, you know, I found over the years that that's not always true. Um, you know, people, unfortunately, do like to lie and they like to, try to fake their way into the site. 
Uh, well, you, you kind of highlighted this uh, a moment ago, but we'll get into it now. Uh, tell us about how your system works, like the ins and outs. Uh, how do you go about getting all these players uh, on the website? I mean, junior players, women's and men's pro. I, I know it's not the dark ages anymore, so you don't have to do it manually. Uh, and how early do you track young players? And in the same light, how do you go about your research in regards to going back many, many years? Uh, you said you're a history buff, you know, looking for the, the former players in not only the National Hockey League, but in the various leagues historically. Yeah, sure. That's a lot to cover. So, I mean, now, you know, a lot of it is automated um, because all of the leagues publish their information online, right? So it's easy enough to sort of sync that up. I mean, it's not trivial, but, you know, especially for, for more popular players like in the NHL, everybody kind of knows who they are, and so that's easy. It gets challenging when you get to some of those lower junior leagues because the data is not quite as good. Uh, a lot of times they spell the players' names wrong, or you know they just kind of they just kind of make mistakes. So there's a lot of sort of cleansing that takes place there. Um, so it's all it's all kind of automated right now. And then as far as the historical data, um, you know I've I'm a big collector of things. So I collect hockey programs and hockey guides. That's a really big source of the information. That's how the site kind of started was, you know, I went through these old hockey guides, the old sporting news guides, and they had, you know, luckily had a good historical record of the various leagues going back to the 70s. And then I expanded it from there, and I found the old NHL guides, old AHL guides. Uh, one thing that's been really helpful is over the years, people actually send me information. So one one time somebody who used to be the statistician for the manitoba junior hockey league sent me mimeograph sheets from the league from the mid to early 70s wow uh, and this is stuff that you know you can't find that because they didn't really give it to anybody but this guy right. happened to have it in the filing cabinet and he he mailed it to me so you know i like to add that kind of stuff um i i don't go back you know down i don't go to like high school players i think that's just really honestly just too early to, to include somebody's information i mean there's really no frame of reference to know if somebody scored 40 goals for a high school team you know, who knows how good the league was it just seems a little a little bit excessive so i go back to essentially like a junior a level um so it's just when players kind of hit hit that sort of uh you know a little bit of an older age and when they're kind of known that they're in the in the system so to speak um you know, that's when they kind of go in. And I go through old newspapers. Um, one thing that, you know, I really was lucky to find a few years ago uh, was the Eastern Hockey League. So this is the league that the movie Slapshot was based on. Uh, and they kept really, really poor records. You know, they published really not very much information. They missed players when they published their stats. And I found on eBay... The, the, their actual score sheets from the league. Somebody had them in, uh, like, in a garage, basically, and he died, and somebody bought the collection and sold them to me on eBay. And it's all the original score sheets from, from these games. So this is, the, like, the official information from the 1950s and 60s that it's, it's, it's irreplaceable. I mean, you know, to have these sheets and now to be able to find missing players and find the mistakes that they made when they, when they scored their games. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I do. Amazing stuff, Ralph. Um, share with us a story about a player or animated hockey parent contacting you in regards to statistical changes, whether it was points, penalty minutes, save percentage, vital stats, etc. I mean, there must be some weird or memorable ones. Oh, I, I get them. You know, that's probably one of the largest sources of, of my emails. Um, you know, even just today, I got one saying, hey, you know, you got my, my height down uh, at, at 5'11", and I'm really 6'1". And, you know, I had to write back to the guy and say, listen, the league said that you're 5'11". I don't know if you're 5'11 or not, um, but, you know, I can't really take your word for it because I know a lot of players want to inflate their numbers. You know, they, they know that people will look at the site and use that to judge them. And, you know, whether that's right or wrong, you know, that's what happens. And so they try to boost things up. Um, you know, one time I had, it was actually um, the general manager of a uh, American Hockey League. No way. I'm sorry, it was, it, it, and, he had contacted me and he said, hey, you know, I've got this information for you. I played at this college and here are my numbers. And so I was hesitant and I said, all right, you know, you seem kind of credible. You are the GM of a, of a, of a team. I added them. A few years later, I found that they weren't quite right. I mean, he didn't really lie. He just remembered them a little bit off. It was mostly, you know, an assist or two or penalty minutes were a little bit off. He was close, but, you know, and that, that taught me a lesson, which is really don't trust anybody and, and really require documentation because I just don't want the information to be wrong. I mean, that's really the, the key thing here is I want this to be accurate. This isn't Wikipedia. This is, you know, this is a real 
reference tool and a research type website. Absolutely. Folks, we're speaking with Ralph Slate, founder of Hockey Database. Give both Ralph and HockeyDB a follow on Twitter at or DB Ralph and at Hockey underscore DB. Ralph, in 2011, you hit around 600,000 visitors a day, about 10 million page views slash hits per month. And that is actually when I first began really following the game, you know, joining local Sim League forums, memorizing all sorts of statistics. I used your site for everything as, like you said, Wikipedia was not always accurate. And at the time, there were only a few other options outside, you know, the reference brand. You know, Elite Prospects wasn't even relevant at the time. Uh, What does your traffic look like today, if you don't mind sharing? You know, honestly, I don't have it off the tip of my head, but, I, you know, I think it, it definitely varies. Um, I think probably this month it's going to be around 11 million page views, but that's because it's the summertime. And I think I probably get close to around 20 million, uh, you know, during the busy the busy periods of time. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, I don't have that right at, the fin- at my fingertips. Well, just along the same topics, I imagine Canada and the USA are the most popular users. I mean, recent years, where else in the world ranks high traffic-wise? You know, something that kind of stood out and raised your eyebrows. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I would say my next couple of big ones are probably uh, Finland and Germany. Or those are a couple of you okay. know, countries. But, you know, you know, there's definitely a language barrier. I'm not, I, I, I unfortunately don't know, I, I only know English, unfortunately. I don't even know French. But, you know, I, I certainly can't speak German or, or, or Finnish. And so I can't really translate the site into those, um, into those languages. But, you know, those countries have their own sites as well, too. So I've, I have gone back and added a lot of old Russian uh, league information that had not previously been available. I found that. I bought a bunch of old, like, Russian hockey guides from somebody on eBay really, really cheap a number of years ago. And I got, like, the Russian First Division and their and their Elite League. You know, I've been – that's another thing I've been trying to focus on is the Swedish information. And it's just – it's there because, you know, I, I think it's it's important. I mean, not so much in that somebody from Sweden really, you know, is going to be coming to my site because I, I don't think they will. But it's just so that the information is complete, so that people can see it. And occasionally you do get North American players who wind up in these leagues. So it's just a good thing to have. Well, and so many people are following younger players, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know, those first-round draft picks who, you know, stay in Europe for a, a couple more years. So I can imagine how it's the, the value of that is growing uh, in, in more recent years as everyone now, you young hockey fans are all on their phones or, or all online. Um, and speaking of online, and, uh, and we mentioned Twitter a bit ago, I saw that tweet from Elite, Pro- Elite Prospects with the two mugs, uh, one with your website on it and one with theirs. And uh, I believe the caption was along the lines of uh, trolling. Can you honestly tell us, Ralph, that you do not have anyone on the inside there? Oh, no, I don't work with the elite prospects at all. No, I don't, I don't work with anybody. I, I, there's one guy that I work with who does my Twitter stuff. Um, he's been really good at that lately. But, uh, yeah, I don't have any, any contact with them, really. Well, in all seriousness, uh, what sets your product apart from sites, you know, for example, like Elite Prospects? I know, like you said, you're more interested in the historical aspect of hockey. Um, is that kind of the angle that you take? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but, you know, a lot of the information that you'll find on the Internet originated on my site, to be honest. I mean, you know, like, there's not a bunch of guys out there working for other sites who are going through digging through old IHL media guides from the 1950s. That stuff is what I did. Um, It wound up other places, of course, but, you know, I'm going back and doing that type of historical research. And the one thing that I really think sets my site apart is that I think it has the right amount of stats on it. I mean, you know, it would certainly... It could certainly add more, but I really just don't think it's that relevant to add information about a player when he was 12 years old or 13 years old or to add players who played in like a junior C league, you know, a couple of games. I mean, I think that that's just sort of overkill. I mean, that, that's sort of like something you you find in like a, you know, it's like a phone book versus an encyclopedia in some ways. So I try to make my information very focused, very targeted, very, very clean and easy to see. Um, the, the thing that I like that I introduced a couple of years ago was the coloring which I always actually had on my own PC, and I said, hey, this is something that I, I really enjoy. I, you know, it's sort of like you look at the player at a glance, and you can see just where what type of a player they are. You know, if it's all sort of like orange, that's an NHL player. If it's all blue, that's a, an OHL or a major junior player. So it's just a, it's, a, it's an easy way to view the data. It's sort of like a visual uh, effect. Great points there, and yeah, I, that's such a great way to describe it because 
everyone who looks up hockey stats is automatically drawn to hockey database. Uh, one last question here, Ralph. Uh, any updates or cool features about the site that you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, we have a segment on our show called uh, Names of the Game where we highlight some of the more quirkier or just best names in hockey. So as you can imagine, we always use your site prepping for that segment. And whilst performing, we love having a little fun clicking through like the headshots of the players as we can see the them age throughout the seasons. Um, so our listeners do know about that secret already, but what, what else can you tell us about Hockey Database as we uh, conclude here, sir? Well, that's a good question. I'm working, I'm working on a lot of things all the time, and so, um, you know, I think r- right now, just look for more information. I'm trying to go back, and uh, I'm going to probably start putting some historical box score information on the site, uh, you know, stuff that I get out of newspapers. Um, trying to make it a little bit more mobile-friendly. I know that, you know, it's, it's not the best. It's, uh, that's been a little bit of a hard transition for me. Uh, player photos is a really good one too. I, I know you, you said you like to, to click on them, and that's not something that's really that obvious. But uh, no, I, I mean it's just whatever sort of occurs to me. And really, I, I mean, I sort of write the site for for things that I like to do and I like to see, um, and that's sort of what translates into what other people like. So, whatever I come up with in the next year, that's what's going to be there. I have to be honest, Ralph. As a Vancouver Canucks fan, I was a little taken aback to learn that the creator of one of my favorites and arguably the most revolutionary hockey stats website in the world was created by someone from Massachusetts, probably a Boston Bruins fan, but you are a good man, sir, and it was truly an honor to speak with you. We're out of time here. We thank you for yours. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and I look forward to catching up down the road. Great. Thank you very much.